Welcome back to Living Lean. This is Jeremiah Bear. Today, I'm bringing you all a Q&A. This is from an Instagram story I did a couple weeks ago, just asking for questions for the podcast. So before we get into it, just a few announcements. First, I'm dropping this Monday the 25th. So right now, on my Instagram story, at Jeremiah Bear, there is a little question box. Drop your questions you want answered in the podcast. This will be up for the next 24 hours. And next week, I will go super in-depth on whatever nutrition training questions you have for me. I want this platform to really help all my listeners out, so please hit me up with questions. I got you. Second, my new ebook, Lean, a 12-week training program for functional strength and lean muscle, drops on Black Friday, three days from now, four days from now. I am so incredibly stoked to get this out. Truly, I believe there's a huge lack of training programs and education on how to create amazing programs for yourself or for your clients out there, which is exactly why I created this book. I've been there both as a trainee and a trainer myself, really confused as to why my programs weren't working for myself and my clients. I built you this ebook so you don't ever have to feel like I did. You'll be armed with both the knowledge and the actual training program you need to create the leanest, strongest version of yourself you've ever seen. And really never again will you have to wonder if you're doing the right thing in the gym for yourself or your client. So again, lean drops on Black Friday. Stay posted for that. And without further ado, let's get into the Q&A. All right, so first question we have, can you explain how to take a diet break? Yes, I can. So a diet break with my clients, with nutrition clients, I typically like to take a diet break every six to 12 weeks depending on the client. Now, there are a lot of factors that vary into why or how frequently we'll take a diet break, but first we need to get into why we take a diet break in the first place. So as you diet, something called metabolic adaptation happens. So basically what's going on here is your metabolism downregulates as a response to you eating fewer calories and just your body getting smaller. So since your body's smaller, it requires fewer calories for just all your basal functions. Think things like breathing, your heart beating, all the calories you burn, even at rest, decrease as you lose weight. Moving your smaller body also requires less energy, so you're gonna burn fewer calories through what we call the thermic effect of exercise. You're also gonna be eating less food, and we actually burn calories during digestion, so the thermic effect of food decreases as well. And really, you're just gonna feel kind of shitty if you're dieting, generally. So we're gonna be more lethargic. Now, don't at all take that like we have to feel terrible when we're dieting, but often you're not gonna have as much energy as you would before. So you're gonna be more lethargic. And as your body's effort to kind of maintain homeostasis or prevent you from losing fat, your body actually will downregulate energy expenditure. So without even thinking of it, little things like fidgeting, pacing that you do over the course of a day burn a lot of calories. You actually decrease those a lot. And also when calories are reduced, levels of the hormone leptin decrease. I just talked about that on my podcast about why carbs are important, but when leptin drops, your body reduces energy expenditure. Levels of ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, rise so ghrelin and leptin have kind of this inverse relationship you could say as one decreases the other increases obviously this makes you hungrier this is another one of your body's mechanisms to kind of try to maintain homeostasis and prevent 
the loss of body fat because evolutionarily it just makes sense that your body would hold on to fat for later periods of potential calorie scarcity and cortisol levels also rise cortisol is the stress hormone and really with cortisol the devil is in the dose similar to leptin when cortisol increases more ghrelin is also increased again ghrelin is a hunger hormone so you're going to be hungrier again elevated cortisol levels also can disrupt your sleep which leads to you being more lethargic and again typically burning fewer calories and the longer we diet the more pronounced all these adaptations get granted that you are actually <laughs> consistently following your diet structure and losing fat Whew, okay hopefully you all are with me so far so that is metabolic adaptation again it's not a bad thing per se it's just part of your body getting smaller and really your metabolism is pretty much as a whole a product of your current body size how much you're eating and how much you're moving but really the biggest factor here is after about 6 to 12 weeks of all this happening of dieting people just have a very high hard time adhering to the diet they have a hard time sticking to it which i personally think is one of the biggest benefits of a diet break yes diet breaks do reverse some of those negative adaptations that we just talked about and we'll get into why in just a second here but more than anything they get you feeling better so your diet is easier to stick to and really for longer for people that want to lose larger chunks of weight more than just diet breaks are really necessary i like to take longer maintenance periods of even one to three months for say clients that are trying to lose like 50 to 100 pounds we just often need longer than just a two-week diet break to help reverse some adaptations and get you in a good place metabolically and hormonally but that goes into the whole concept of nutrition periodization, and that's not something that we have to talk about on this podcast. Back to the question. So every six to 12 weeks, we wanna bump your calories back up to your estimated maintenance intake. Now here, to get the full benefits of a diet break, honestly, I prefer to almost overshoot what we think maintenance might be a bit for clients rather than undershoot it, keep the client in the deficit and not get all the benefits of taking a diet break. So basically look at how much weight you've been losing on average over the last few weeks. So let's just make it easy and say you've been losing a pound a week. We know that losing a pound of weight a week means you've created roughly a 3,500 calorie deficit per day. So to find your maintenance, not per day, 3,500 calorie deficit per week, I mean. So to find your maintenance, you know that we need to add back in 3,500 calories per week or 500 calories per day. Now, that calorie increase, we want to come primarily from carbs. That's going to be the most ideal for increasing levels of the hormone leptin, which we just talked about. That's gonna in turn have you increasing energy expenditure that'll decrease hunger. Overall, you'll just feel better. Now, the thing to remember here, it, and studies have shown that increasing carbs, overfeeding on carbs for 48 hours plus, is gonna help increase levels of leptin. But the thing to remember here, first and foremost, we need to prioritize adherence. So, we can say in the most ideal situation, which I always bump clients' calories via carbs, but really the most important factor here is adherence. So if your clients are really, really missing fat in your foods, they're really just struggling to stick to the diet as a whole, 
just increased calories, adherence, overall calories, especially when we're talking about hormones as a whole, calories are more so than any specific macronutrient, your overall calorie intake is going to be the main driver of increasing or decreasing hormones. So a typical diet break is one to two weeks. Really, it's almost always two weeks. So for most of my clients, we start a diet break. I say, hey, just keep me posted on how you're feeling throughout the week. This can be anywhere from, let's give you one to four weeks. I'll check in with you, of course, most every day to see how you're feeling. Most clients, the first couple of days are like, yeah, I feel great. I'll be ready to go by the end of the week. And then towards the end of the week, it's always, uh, I think another. I need another week. By the end of week two, they're typically feeling good, well-fed, stronger than the gym, performing better. And then we're ready to go back to the diet. Adherence is very, very good when we're hopping back into the diet from a diet break. And really, as far as like determining diet breaks, like when to take them, within that six to 12 weeks, typically clients that are dieting harder in a steeper deficit, depending if you're working towards a timeline, like you have a specific timeline, sometimes that we can't just do, okay, we're gonna take a diet break every fourth week or every sixth week. But clients that just like to push harder, I also like to give more frequent diet breaks because the harder we're dieting, the harder it's going to be to adhere for long periods of time. Whereas some of my clients follow an approach where every three, three out of every 14 days, so we'll take a mini diet break basically. So every 11 days, you're in a deficit, followed by three days where we bring calories back up to maintenance. Those clients... I'm good to push a little bit longer. Again, we'll typically take a full diet break every 12 weeks, but if they're seeing great progress, we know they're in a good place still hormonally, metabolically, biofeedback is still good, then I'm generally okay to push them a bit longer. And really biofeedback is a huge thing here. Specifically, I've noticed hunger, cravings, and motivation. So typically when a client really needs a diet break, we'll see cravings and hunger increase so every week I have my clients, well, daily I have my clients rate hunger, but every week in, their, in your weekly check-in, I have you rank cravings, hunger, motivation, along with a lot of other biofeedback. So typically when I see a client's cravings, hunger shoot up, motivation dip, that's a good sign to me. Okay, this client probably needs a diet break. We'll talk it out, see if there's anything else potentially going on. But if it's bad again the next week, even if they're not ready to take a diet break, 95% of the time, I'll get them following one, get started on one, and then a couple days later, they'll come out, okay, yeah, that was much needed. So biofeedback is huge there. And as far as diet breaks go, I think that pretty much covers all our bases. All right, so the next question is, how do you create so much content? <laughs> I love this question. So to make this more applicable to the listeners of this podcast as a whole, let's just say productivity tips. And I know the dude that asked this question is looking to grow his business. Uh, he's also an online coach and create more content. And truly, I love talking to people about this. So get so stoked about this question. So a huge thing for me was actually implementing time blocks and cutoff time. So for the longest time, well, when I started working just strictly online when I went all in on my online business and quit working at the gym, I had no structure to my day at all. No structure to when I would wake up, no structure to when I started working or stopped working or when I checked emails, anything like that. I was really a mess. 
and it really hurt my business. And then I listened to, I listened to Atomic Habits, which if anyone listening to this, if you're a coach or you're coaching yourself, listen to Atomic Habits. Change the way I coach, change the way I set up everything in my own life. Such a good book. Truly, I think the most life-changing book for me personally. Can't recommend it enough. But anyways, blocking out your time, setting specific times to do things. If you go into the day, it's kind of like saving, I don't know, let's relate, relate this to financial goals. So like saving up for a car you want. I don't know if this analogy is going to work, but it's like not having a budget. There we go. <laughs> That's kind of what we were coming to. Not having a structure to your day, an attack plan for your day, is like not having a budget or not having any type of outline of just what you want to accomplish. It's so key. Like if you just go into your day willy-nilly, like, oh, I want to work out today. I want to get all these emails answered. I want to create great content. And then that's kind of just like in this pile you try to attack. You're not going to get very much done at all. This is the biggest reason people don't accomplish so many things they want, which this is a whole nother tangent I could go off on. But seriously, organization in every area of life is so damn important. This is why so many people don't hit their fitness goals. Like a huge part of what I do with my clients, we literally just get more organized because people don't see fitness and nutrition as something that requires organization. They see it as, I just need to get more willpower and I'll get it done. Even though the problem is I always just run out of time to cook healthy. I always just run out of time to go to the gym, but people don't look at it like that. So that mindset shift where it's like, okay, actually, if I just block out like, okay, this is when I meal prep, now all of a sudden I don't run out of time to cook healthy. I always have these meals already available. Or if I block out my training sessions first thing in the morning, so I know they're not going to get pushed back to instead of like doing... Uh, yeah, I'm going to try to work out three times a week. If you have specific times on specific days where you know those won't be interrupted, you're going to do it. Organization is so damn important here. The last thing I'm going to leave you with on that whole organization rant is really organization equals freedom. Structure equals freedom. I've also had clients, and this was me for the longest time, who at the start were, well, I'm just a free spirit. I don't like all this planning, all this prepping ahead. It's just killing my free spirit. But the thing is, really, you're when you're more structured, you're creating more freedom. You're creating the body you want. You're creating the life you want. Like you no longer have this overwhelming anxiety because you can never accomplish the things you want. Like I get it that at first scheduling, planning ahead, prepping ahead does feel more restrictive. But all these things you want in the long term, a better body, a better sense of well-being, better health, just a better life overall, they all come from being more structured. And long-term, like having all those things you want, feeling the way you want, that's what gives you freedom. It's not not being tethered down by a schedule. And like, same thing, you'll create more free time for yourself. That's what like the craziest thing for me, talking about time blocking out your day, the craziest thing for me, when I actually gave myself a cutoff time of like, okay, I'm gonna be done at six, or when I stopped working on Saturdays, whereas I used to always just work straight through the week, when I told myself, okay, I'm not gonna work on Saturdays or part of Sunday, I got more done and I had more free time because I had a deadline. I just had to get shit done and I did. Same thing with having a six o'clock cutoff time. So when you do this, because it forced me to get so much more organized, you actually create more free time 
more freedom for yourself. When you do things like track macros or actually have a structure to your diet, you create freedom from this sense of being trapped in the body that you don't want to be. Like, again, I could talk about this for so long because this I'm so passionate about. This This gets me worked up. Structure is so damn important. Another very important tip for productivity is environment design. And really, for me, that just comes down to getting away from your phone. Your phone and productivity are like on opposite ends of the spectrum. Personally, when I work, if my phone is even in the same, not even in the same room, like I can't even have my phone in my apartment when I work. So anytime I'm working in my apartment, right now I'm recording this podcast in my apartment, my phone is down two flights of stairs in the center console of my car. It's ridiculous like the links I have to go to to distance myself from my phone, but really it sucks the productivity out of you. Um, And then really like, this sounds almost, this is a weird concept, but truly for me, it's very helpful. Like just being in a clean environment that you feel good in. Clean up the desktop of your computer, keep your apartment clean, get whatever, make it smell good. Right now I just got this, what is this candle? Vanilla cinnamon brulee. <laughs> this candle smells great. Big candle guy, no shame, but The point of this is like when you're in a clean environment that you feel good in and is free of distractions, which is so damn important again, you're gonna be a lot more productive. So for me, like if my apartment's a mess, the smells bad in here, I'm not gonna get near as much done. It's a weird thing, but that's the case for so many people. And then taking it back to the phone, honestly for me, like shutting off notifications has helped a ton. There's an idea, I think Cal Newport talks about this in deep work, but really being hard to reach. So like for me, my phone is on do not disturb 24 seven. And honestly, I'm a terrible texter, but my clients don't text me, they email me. So I know that all my clients are an email, so we're all good there. And my phone isn't distracting me. Same thing, like I have email notifications turned off. I don't open up my Gmail inbox until I'm ready to actually bust out client emails. Otherwise, like if I'm trying to create content and I'm also trying to answer emails and do all this other stuff, I'll like get 30 seconds to an infographic and email comes in. Even if I don't answer it, I still pull it up. And there's something called attention residue, which is basically when our brain switch tasks. So for example, me going from creating content to reading an email, it takes a certain amount of time to actually fully focus back on what you're trying to create. And over the course of the day, this can add up to minutes, even hours. Over the course of a week and a month, that's literally hours that you're wasting. Really for me, it's don't try to focus on a lot of different things at once. And I even take that bigger picture to my days. So like, okay, today I'm just answering emails, Today, I'm just writing a blog. Today, I'm just recording a podcast. You get the idea. Having whole days, and this is a relatively recent thing that I've done, but having whole days where you just focus on mostly doing one thing, whereas before I had like 10 different half hour to one hour time blocks for much different tasks split up on my day, long, uninterrupted chunks of time focused on one task, I think are crazy important when we're talking about being productive or creating a lot. So really just being hard to reach is super important. And then I would say 
don't expect to always be motivated. And really, this is true for any area of my life. Um, in my mentorship circle, we do a group call where everybody hops on. We all talk about what's going on in our lives, all kinds of different things there. But just as last week, we were actually talking about this. Like we all have this expectation of always being crazy hyped up to do everything, like constantly be at work, work out, whatever. But that's just not the reality of life. Like 60 to 80% of the time, we just feel like kind of mediocre, which not to get like dark here or anything, because obviously I want you to enjoy your life. I love my life. But the reality is like sometimes we're just not as gassed up to do things and that's okay. You just have to accept like, hey, this is normal. Everybody feels like this at points. There's nothing wrong with me for not feeling crazy motivated to do this right now, but I'm gonna do it anyways. Something that I've been writing in my journal over and over, and shout out to my man, Coach Chronic, if you're listening to this, I stole this from you, is just the phrase, I will do the work. No matter how I'm feeling, I'll just do the work. And really, I think that's the mindset you have to approach it with because like anything, especially again, taking it back to this dude who I know is trying to build an online coaching business, it's a grind. It takes time and you won't always be crazy motivated, but you just have to do the work anyways. And then last thought on this, because I was just talking about my mentorship circle, surround yourself with other people that really inspire you. I can tell you every week after I hop off those mentorship calls, I am so stoked about what I'm doing here. It just gets me gassed up, not even like in a competitive way, just everybody in that circle really inspires me. And all my friends as a whole, everybody that I surround myself with really inspires me to do more. That makes it so much easier as well. And I really don't think I have anything else to say on that. Okay, final question. I can never hit my macros. Help, I got you. Okay. so. Hitting your macros, I always tell my clients, pretty much anytime you're not hitting your nutrition goals, that just tells us you need to plan more. Not hitting your nutrition goals is a planning issue. So really, this is how I would lay it out. You're gonna have to plan ahead. So first, I want you to just hop into my fitness pal, and before anything else, I don't know why I said my fitness pal, so I said it again, my fitness pal, there we go. <laughs> I want you to hop into my fitness pal and first and foremost, we're going to plan out a day, but you need to choose the number of meals that you want to eat. So for most people, this is going to be three to five. doesn't make a massive difference unless we're really nerding out over your meal timing, and things like that. But let's assume this is just a pretty gin pop client. I know this girl relatively well, so I know that for her, she's not going to be nerding out over too many specifics. So choose your number of meals. First and foremost, again, typically three to five works best for most people. Second, you want to work through each meal of the day and plan a protein source. So breakfast, lunch, dinner, however many snacks you have, take your total protein goal. And for some of my clients, we literally just track calories and protein, but we do need to make sure that you're getting your protein in. It is super important. And really for most clients that start nutrition coaching with me, this is the first thing we'll focus on when we work together, just getting your protein in. Protein kind of displaces more calorically dense things. People really notice that cravings start to decrease as we focus on increasing your protein. But point is we wanna make protein a priority, which is why you're gonna be playing it first. So what I would say to do is just divide 
your overall protein goal by the number of meals you're going to eat, number of meals and snacks you're going to eat throughout the day. So say you have a protein goal of 100 grams, you're eating four meals, then we know you just need to get at least 25 grams of protein at each meal. So from there, you know, okay, I have breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack. I'm going to plug in a protein source that I think sounds good for each of those meals. Easy enough, right? Now we have your protein. So from here, we can plug in your carbs and your fat with the remaining calories. Again, with a lot of coaches I work with, we do get super deep into this just because it's fun for us, for both of us. But if you're not somebody, somebody that wants to stress about this, you truly don't have to worry about it too much. You can get great results just looking at calories and protein. So if that's the case for you, you can just plug in foods as a whole that pair well with each of your protein sources until you're at your calorie limit. Or you can start by plugging in one or two carb sources for each meal and really just adjust those serving sizes to fit your macros and to fit your daily carb goal. And then finally, go back through one more time and plug fat sources that pair well with your carbs and your proteins. Now, we're planning fats out last because often your protein sources and sometimes your carb sources will already have some fats in them. So it just makes sense to plan it in this order. And from there, you really have a rough template that you can build all your days of the week around and just tweak slightly. So maybe you wanna eat the same meal here, but you wanna change the protein source for breakfast tomorrow. It's super simple, but really just going through and planning that ahead makes the biggest difference. And for my clients, right out of the gate for most nutrition clients, when you start with me, I literally make you for the first couple weeks, plug in the following day. So plug in tomorrow in my fitness pal and shoot me a screenshot of it. And when I have clients do this, you crush it. You make progress like crazy because really it's nothing magic. It's just us actually getting you planning and preparing ahead so we know you're on track to hit your macro goals. And that is all the questions for today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This is a super fun Q&A. Don't forget if you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the podcast for you, hop on my Instagram story right now at Bear, and I will get those answered on the next podcast. All right, thank you for tuning in.